0: Hello and welcome to Dialogue, the Diapoint podcast. I'm your host, Pam Durant. And hello and welcome to Dialogue, the Diapoint podcast. I am your host, Pam Durant, the founder and managing director of Diapoint ME. And today I am so excited. I'm speaking with Maria Monum. and Maria is the head coach at Diapoint. She is a certified holistic health and lifestyle coach with a background in nutrition and behavior change coaching. She also specializes in chronic disease management and prevention to help people create a healthy lifestyle to manage their health conditions and achieve a great quality of life through a holistic approach. Diabetes does play a huge role in her life professionally and personally because both her husband and her daughter have type 1 diabetes. Thank you so much for joining me today, Maria, to kind of have this open discussion on different um, topics, all things diabetes and nutrition. Did I miss anything in your bio? I know people come on the show and they send me these kind of shorter bios, but I know that often there's so much more behind it. So please, if I'm missing anything, let me know.
1: Hi, Pam. Um, Thank you for letting me join you here today. Uh, No, I don't think you missed anything in the bio. It sounds pretty much like me.
0: Great. Thank you. I know you're working on some other exciting things, but I'll save those for later. So when you're finished, and then we can talk more about those in more detail. Sure. So so Maria is a coach um, and actually a very good nutrition coach. I met Maria a few years ago because we both have children with type one diabetes. So we met through a group of moms here in Dubai and would meet up from time to time and talk about different things that you know, we could do to support people with diabetes. And once I started Diapoint and started moving toward coaching services, I knew that I wanted to work with Maria because she is a very good nutrition coach. She understands diabetes really, really well and gets a lot of great results with with her clients. So I think Maria, if it's okay with you, I just want to start this discussion by talking about What is coaching? I think there's a lot of confusion. Coaching is a relatively newer profession. Yes, it comes from psychology and it's based on positive psychology, but I still think there's a lot of misunderstanding about what it is and what it does. So why don't we start there? What is coaching?
1: Yeah, sure. So, you know, health coaches, they have a lot of knowledge and information about health and wellness and lifestyle and diets and all of that but they also have really really important coaching tools to help you set and achieve health goals and build new habits that will last the part of the success of a health coach is comes from helping clients to set goals and create action plans but most of the success comes from the presence of a coach you know that accountability that the, that you get it's becoming a huge thing now it's a, a lot in demand because it's so versatile you can work with all sorts of people all kinds of people and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, different industries can use coaches yeah so coaches they, they view health holistically and we take a more preventative approach so we obviously we help people to to set goals and then we create action plans but we we also you know we look at not not just it's not just about what you're eating or or how you exercise it's, it's that it's a lot of elements part of the coaching so for example you know it's, it's, it's just, it's also about, you know, mental support. Um, it's about encouraging the clients to, to find what it is that they want to to work on and what it is that they want to achieve. And, and we get that through that re- relationship with the clients.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. And I think there's a, a lot of confusion also in the way social media now also is full of coaches and, and there's many, many good coaches out there, many qualified coaches Um, if you're looking for a healthcare coach or any kind of coach, really, because there's health coaches, there's lifestyle, um, coaches, there's life coaches, there's career coaches. So you really want to pick one, first of all, that focuses on the area that you want to improve or where you want to grow or where you want to be challenged. And a coach is not necessarily there to give you expert advice. And one thing I always say on the podcast is anything that we talk about here, you should be asking your qualified doctor about it. A coach is not there to make changes to any care plan or any, anything that your doctor has prescribed. Doctors mm-hmm. are experts. That's an expert approach. Like your doctor will tell you what medication you need to take and what you need to do. And he might give you advice for solving certain problems. He, he will often give you the answer. Sometimes doctors will use coaching yeah. technologies, but coaches don't don't do that.
1: Exactly, a coach is not meant to be prescribing anything. You know, we very often, you know, we are there to bridge the gap between the the doctor and the and the patient, for example. So we can explain things that maybe a little bit uh, in more detail. So, for example, if the doctor would give advice to to the patient then we can take that advice. We can take that goal basically and work towards it and create that action plan to make it easier for the patient. So yeah, definitely not, we are not prescribing or or doing anything like that.
0: Exactly. And even sometimes what I find for myself when I'm coaching someone, because coaches spend more time listening than actually talking in most cases it should be, unless a coach will say, I'm going to take my coaching hat off and I'm going to suggest some links or helpful resources or some questions to ask your doctor, then we might share some of our experience. But sometimes I find it so challenging because also as a coach, we want our clients to find their own way as they answer the question, as they achieve their goals. And sometimes it might even be an experience that we've actually lived ourselves and we're like, oh, 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 yes, yes, I know the answer to this. And you have to really, really, as a coach, control yourself so that you are empathetic to the person that you're coaching. It's not about you sharing your life experience, even though, yes, you do need experience and training and education and wisdom to, to bring it to your client. However, it's about them. It should be all about them. So... How could we tell people, like, how do they know when they found a good coach? What should they look for when they're when they're looking for a coach?
1: I think that they definitely need to look for like reviews. They they need to make sure that they are qualified because a lot of people these days, they call themselves coaches without actually having any kind of certificates. Um, I think definitely ask around, look around, you know, Google if you need and, and check the schools and the institutes that these people have, that the coaches have been to, to make sure that they actually are what they say that they are.
0: Yeah. A lot of the schools and institutions, they themselves would be accredited um, by, uh, what is it? The International Coaching Federation. Um, I think yeah. it is, they, they're an accrediting body. They accredit a lot of coach schools. That's really critical. And you can go to their website you can find the school. um, There's a list and we'll put that in the show notes. I'll put the link for that, but that's something that's, that's really critical. And, and for sure there, you know, just because someone has that certificate that doesn't necessarily make them an amazing coach. I know when I started coaching and then I had to coach, think it was three or four people as part of my education experience. In the beginning, I was not a confident coach. I wasn't, I'm sure I wasn't really a great coach because I was in the learning process. And, and every professional goes through that every, you know, doctor or psychologist, or, you know, if you're a teacher or whatever it is, you're always a little nervous the first few years, but for sure you want to find a certified experienced coach or someone that can relate to what you're going through. And that's one reason why Maria and I were really passionate about the subject of diabetes while neither of us have diabetes, but we both live with people that have diabetes. So we're much more empathetic and and understanding to that
1: yeah and i really you're right when you say about the listening because i think that's actually one of the main skills of a coach and it is quite difficult to to learn it sounds like it's something easy but it is exactly that that you 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 create that space for the for the client and then you let them talk and you listen and you, you it's about reading between the lines as well so body language for example and you know the tone of voice all of these things matters
0: Yes, that is so true. And I found that really challenging also in, in the training. Most of the training that I had, well, it was a US-based, um, U.S.-based well coaches. All of our calls and all of our practices and tests were audio only. And at first I thought, this is so crazy. We don't even have like a live kind of webinar or video call or Zoom. How are we going to do this? but what i realize the reason they do it that way part of it is to teach you to listen for those verbal cues a shift in the tone of voice if if you see them face to face then there can be a shift in body language and that's when you know if someone might be having you know a breakthrough or maybe there's something they're struggling with that you need to discuss a little bit a little bit longer with them so it is a listening thing
1: yeah and also to to see what they are not telling you you know, that's also part of the the coaching process. I think that you, that you look for, that you are really pleasant, but you are looking for what they are not
0: telling you as well. That's I think like a huge truth bomb right there. Like what sometimes what they're not saying is more powerful than what they're saying. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So absolutely. I mentioned our relationship with, with diabetes and would you care to elaborate a little bit on when you met your husband did he already have type 1 diabetes and and how old was your your daughter when she was diagnosed yeah so
1: um yes i met my husband when he when uh, he had already had diabetes for uh, for a very long time and now he's had diabetes for over uh, over 30 years actually and um you know he is actually the reason that that i became interested in nutrition because i I just had I didn't have a clue. And I was, you know, at the time we lived in Greece and I had a quite an unhealthy lifestyle myself. You know, I was smoking. I was, um, you know, I never thought about food. I didn't I didn't ever I didn't eat healthy. Um, and he sort of showed me how, you know, he said that I have to eat healthy because of this and this uh, reason, and I have obviously diabetes, and I have to think about my injections and my insulin and all of this. So he was the reason that I became interested in nutrition. And um, my daughter, she she was five when she got diagnosed, which is, she's almost ten now, and I was already a nutritionist when she was diagnosed. So I was, you know, I was a bit lucky in that, that I knew what to do in terms of food. Though, of course, I was still, you know, just when they get diagnosed, you're in this bubble. Everything, I felt like, oh my God, it's like taking home a newborn baby from the hospital when we came out of the hospital. So, um, yeah, I knew about the nutrition, but then then later on, I wanted to become a health coach, obviously. And, and, you know, I didn't choose to work with people with diabetes. It just happened. Diabetes chose me, it feels like. I I love it. I love I love to help people with diabetes. And you know, my my husband, he's had it for thirty years. His his HbA1c if it's, it's absolute, it's absolutely amazing. His five point two is his last one, and you you can't even tell that he's he's had it for such a long time. And he really he's such a good role model for my daughter because he really looks after himself, and it means you know he he really he does a lot of sports and he tries to eat healthy. And of course, he has he has treats as well. But he's really trying to, to. He also wants to show her, you know, that that you can live a normally healthy life with this if you look after yourself.
0: That's amazing An amazing. A one C, I'd love to have him on the show so he can. He, I'm sure he could teach us all a few things. It'd that's great on the show, yeah. That's really, really, really amazing. That also that not only inspires your daughter but that inspires you to to get into the topic of nutrition. Yeah. And for those who are listening, um, which I I specified in kind of the first overview episode, type 1 diabetes, there is no cure. Type 1 diabetes cannot be reversed. And no matter how healthy you eat, you will still have it. However, the healthier that you eat and the better you take care of yourself, the better that you can manage it. It's so much easier. Yes. So on the topic of nutrition... Because we see and we talk about this all the time when when we meet. There's so many different diets, and again, social media it seems to have exasperated the fad diets and you know people eating a certain way and and all the. I love all the the recipes, suggestions, and everything online. And some there are certain people that I do follow, and I love their recipes. But with such an overwhelming amount of information out there. What is your nutrition philosophy? You know,
1: I think that it's really important that people, they need to do what works for them, but it really then not have to work for them. I, I am not a big fan of, you know, fad diets and stuff because it's just, it's not going to work in the long run. You have to sort of ask yourself, will I be able to, to eat this for the rest of my life? Or will I, will I be able to follow this diet for the rest of my life? Because that's the only way that you can sort of tell if the diet is healthy and if it's, you know, doable, so I am a big fan of, you know, eating from all the food groups. I am very, you know, basic. Um, I like, like, I don't want to call it old-fashioned nutrition, but, like, I think it's important that you eat, you know, you should eat from all the food groups, unless you have some sort of intolerance, of course, or allergy. But you you need to get your fruit and your vegetables in. And if you eat carbohydrates and stuff, you know, carbohydrates is not bad if you stick to the you know to the whole whole grain ones so if you eat like brown pasta brown rice then then you you're you're fine you know it's when you start eating simple carbohydrates which turns into sugar so quickly and it will definitely affect your blood sugars so so um carbohydrates is not the villain fat is not the villain you know you need all of these things to to function and i think that now you know it's a lot of there's a lot of um people trying keto diet, for example, or, you know, vegan diet and stuff. And, and that's absolutely fine. But if it works for you, but just make sure, you know, that you check with your doctor before, make sure that, you know, that, that it supports your, you know, your vitamins, your minerals, all of that stuff that you're getting all the nutrients that you
0: should. Right. I agree. And honestly speaking, once I, I, I prefer to have a, a diet with more vegetables that's just how i've never really liked meat i Mm -hmm. haven't had red meat for i don't know 25 30 years i've I've just never enjoyed it i don't like the texture of it yeah Um, it's not for me totally agree yeah
1: however very um, i really like like a plant-based diet and you know people think that plant-based diet means to just eat vegetables but actually it's about you are still eating meat and fish it's just that maybe you don't eat it as often so maybe like once a week, you can have meat or whatever. So, so I'm also very into eating vegetables. I think it's very, very important.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of great things you can, you can do with vegetables. It's not just like boil them and put them on the plate and then they don't taste good. There's so many amazing recipes um, with vegetables. And I even started some nights now, okay, there's the discussion of, you know, some of the vegetarian meat replacement things it's processed. So it may, you know, there's an argument that it may not be as healthy as it seems, but I like to experiment with those. And one night I made tacos. So I grew up in Texas and Mexican food is like my kryptonite. So, and often very like heavy in carbs and things like that. But actually, you know, tacos are not terrible if you put a lot of vegetables in them and do different things. And for the the meat, I actually substituted it with a, a vegan-based kind of meat. And everybody ate it. And the, it wasn't until they noticed that I was eating it, they're like, wait, mom, mom's eating, mom's eating meat in her tacos. What what is this? And they actually liked it. So I was pretty wow. excited about that. And I try at home to cut back, but with my Turkish kebab loving husband and then my son who has that gene as well. So they, they do like, they do like meat, but we try to eat more plate uh, plant-based at home. And we saw a new endocrinologist recently, actually last week. Um, She's a rock star Our other endocrinologist. He moved, he he moved back to um, the U S so she was looking at his um, output from his insulin pump. And she said, well, his meals are only like 30 carbs. You know, she's like, are you on like a low carb diet? And I said, absolutely not. And he he eats, like he eats really well. But then I started reflecting on it and thinking about it. And I think one reason why it might be lower-ish carb and not like, you know, it's 30 carbs sometimes instead of like 50 carbs or 60 carbs, which sometimes still seems like mm-hmm. a lot, because if you consider how many calories might be in some of those things, it could be a lot. But I think because we're eating plant-based more, that sometimes it's a bit lower carb. Not every day is like that. Like last night for dinner, we had, you know, pasta and chicken. But you can try a lot of different things, I think, the more plants that you bring into your diet
1: correct yeah and also you know with the salads that you were saying i think people they think of oh i have to eat green salads you know they they don't think further than that and then there's so much there's so much you can do with salads i mean you can put fruit in them berries and you can just like make it more exciting and it's all about what puts you know the dressing as well if you put like a nice vinaigrette or something on it you can really make something really really nice
0: yeah true and, we, and we love our olive love- oil how do you feel about olive oil
1: yeah i do love olive oil Absolutely. I'm a, that's the, like the only thing I use. I'm, I'm, I'm half Greek. Come on. I have to have olive oil.
0: That's true. That's <laughs> true. I know. And we're having lived in Turkey. We are, we are snobs when it comes to olives and, and yeah, also not nuts. Thankfully we, we don't have a nut allergy. So we always have a lot of beautiful Turkish nuts and, and olive oil, right. um, in the house. So we, maybe next yeah. time. Maybe next time we meet, we should do just like an olive tasting and bring all of our favorite, favorite you know, I olives. Have a thing,
1: you know, I I really do have a thing for olives. I absolutely love it. Like when other people sit and they munch on like chocolates in the evenings, I just love my bowl of, of olives. I love it. Oh,
0: absolutely.
1: And you know what you said as well about like plant based and stuff with beans and lentils and these kind of things. I we love eating these kind of foods because it it really shows. My Both my husband and my daughter, when they you know their blood sugars is completely stabilizes when they eat this. so so we try to eat quite a lot of beans and and uh, legumes and stuff,
0: yeah, that's true. That's true. I find that for us, now not everyone is like this. So if you're out there and you're you're listening and you have diabetes, no two people with diabetes are alike ever. But for us, when my son eats red meat, which he loves, it creates a lot of insulin resistance, particularly if there's like potatoes and other things with it, blood sugars become very, very challenging. Do you find oh, yeah. that Maria in in clients or other people that um, that you've worked with?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've noticed as well, obviously pizza, you know, pizza is a, there's certain things that just doesn't work uh, you know, we try to avoid pizza as much as possible because it's just, it has that, because of all the fat, it has that delayed reaction. So, so, you know, you get high hours later and then you sort of stay high. So, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: It's hard to bring a blood sugar down after pizza. One thing that we started doing for pizza um, is I started to buy cauliflower crust and that seems to has helped a lot. Because it's lowering carbs, so then we don't get the spike later, usually.
1: Yeah, the cauliflower crust and also um, almond-based pizza has also been really good, I've noticed,
0: for blood sugars. Yeah, I wonder if I could Mm -hmm. figure out how to make that myself at home, the crust.
1: Yeah, there must be some good recipe online for sure. But yeah, I I mean, I've tasted it and you can't, I mean, it it really tastes nice as well.
0: Yeah, you can't tell the difference.
1: you You can't tell, yeah.
0: All right, I'm gonna start experimenting. So on the diet Point website, maybe soon we'll have an almond flour pizza crust. Very mm, good mm, idea. Yum. Mm-hmm. So on the subject mm-hmm. of food, so what what are some of your favorite foods or your husband, particularly your also your husband and daughter's favorite foods?
1: Uh you know. <laughs> My husband is, thankfully, he really loves vegetables and beans and uh, anything healthy. He really loves healthy food. He's, he used to be quite a big meat eater, but he's sort of stopped himself um, due to, he, he obviously doesn't want to have high cholesterol and stuff. So, you know, whenever I see recipes that are with flour, for example, white flour, I just, you know, I just changed it. So I put, I, I add in a little bit of a wholemeal flour to, to make a mix and that usually sort of you know it stops the blood sugar from going very high and i do a lot of like pancakes and and waffles and things with that and and i make my own breads all the time so so yeah we just
0: exchange the the flowers and stuff and now a word from our sponsor today's episode is brought to you by Diapoint coaching and training we offer different coaching packages to meet your different needs Whether it's a quick start health coaching package or maybe a three-month coaching transformation that you're in need of, we can support you. We also offer some personalized health evaluations, diabetes doula consultations, and more. Please visit thediapointshop.com and visit our coaching and wellness page to learn more. If you're still not sure, sign up for a free discovery call. And we can talk more about what you're looking for, what your needs are, and about how coaching might support you. And it's free. Now back to the show.
1: What about you? What, like, What's your favorite food?
0: My favorite foods? It often depends on my mood. And I I mean, I love... What do I love? I like oh, all nice. foods, really. Uh, and I, I like more... I don't have as much of a sweet tooth as I used to, although this morning... For example, I made protein pancakes, and then I put some yogurt on it with some berries and some pecans. And I found this, even for myself, um, I I prefer to use it because I can feel blood sugar spikes sometimes if I'm not eating healthy, particularly the first meal of the day, um, I find is really important for me. So I found this sugar-free kind of syrup that kind of tastes like maple syrup. And if I'm going to use any any syrup uh, or I might put honey on it, just a little bit, just a drizzle. It doesn't take much, very, very little bit of honey. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I might use real maple syrup, but you know, if it's going to be something that's full of carbs or sugar, then it's got to be 100% the real thing, not something that's full of corn syrup or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, Definitely. yeah,
0: so I use the... Um, this this one syrup that's sugar-free and that was my breakfast and that felt really special and that made me really happy. For dinner, yeah. something that's plant-based, like I said, Mexican food is kind of like my kryptonite. So I'll make it at home, but like with lower carbs um, or different things like this, I love Turkish breakfast. Like Love, love, love it. Oh my God, me too. Who doesn't love Turkish breakfast? So, okay, Turkish breakfast at our house. And what we we do usually every Friday or or Saturday on the weekend, that's when we do the full spread with the different cheeses, olives, fresh tomatoes, cucumbers, making eggs, um, either like menemen or my son loves eggs with sujuk, which is the Turkish sausage you know, that's full of fat and protein that the body has to break down. But but now that we've learned how to to bolus, how to give insulin for these so that it, it won't cause a spike, then it's much easier. Plus also eating something for him, for him eating something higher in protein and fat in the morning is better than eating it at night, because then he'll be active during the day, hopefully. And it, it helps a lot with the blood sugars, but Turkish breakfast, I absolutely love with a like endless pot of tea. And I think it's not just, I tell a lot of people actually. So I grew up in the U S and in the U S eating, I didn't realize this until I left and I went back and many places eating is more about quantity than the quality. It, and even in the supermarkets, it's like, where can I get like, you know, two pounds, which is like a kilo of apples, for the cheapest, ver- you know, and mm-hmm. you look and you look at them, and yes, they're they're the cheaper apples, but they don't have any flavor. They're they're not nice apples. Whereas the quality apples were a little bit more expensive, and and like nobody was wanting those be- just because of the price point. And I understand if you have a large family to feed, and you're you're conscious about you know prices, which we all are then of course you're going to go for the cheaper apples, but I would go out of my way then to go to the place where I could get the good quality apples for a better price, because I'm, I learned how to eat well in Turkey. I learned about, or I should say, I relearned about quality food when I was really small. My, my father had a huge vegetable garden and my first memory when i was about 2 or 3 years old was me sitting in the dirt and i was just pulling green beans off the plant and eating them raw i loved them that much i can still yeah. eat eat a bowl of raw green beans but over time in us you know people get busy the fast food movement the everything movement i think was not that healthy and when i went to turkey and we would have these beautiful long dinners with friends or with family and you socialize throughout the evening over this amazing food eating becomes a completely different experience
1: and yeah.
0: i th- and i think that's why i love turkish breakfast because we usually it's either you know us we're not working we don't have to rush to go to a meeting or to go take somebody to school or go out the door or we have friends over and we you know enjoy it with friends so eating is just as much of a, a special social experience as it is what I like to eat. And I, I, you know, it, it's not just like, Ooh, I like crunchy things or this or that it's, it's the whole experience. So I often tell clients too, and that's part of the whole mindful eating movement. You should enjoy what you eat. It should bring you joy, yeah. share it with friends. And that's always exactly. a lot of fun. Yeah, there, There's Absolutely. so many ways that you can, you can enjoy it. So yeah, I'd have to say probably Turkish breakfast is, is pretty high on my list. That was a very long answer.
1: You know, we eat obviously a lot of Greek food and and this is it's so Greek food is very plant-based. I think Greek food and, and obviously this whole, all the Mediterranean countries, they have this exactly what you're describing a lot of vegetables, a lot of beans, some yogurt, you know, it has such an amazing variety of foods. So I think that you you, I feel like you're getting all the nutrients in when you eat. And with mindful eating, you know, it's exactly what you say, like to take your time as well and to just sit down and enjoy what you're eating and make an experience out of it. Not just, you know, shove it down your mouth and then you're done with it.
0: Yeah. Like Um, I sit at my desk and then I'll check emails while I'm eating or look at my phone. (laughs) And I know I really shouldn't do that. And then I stop and I look at the plate and I'm like, what did I just eat? yeah
1: yeah you shouldn't do that you shouldn't do that you know it's funny because my daughter when she was she was five when she was diagnosed but she used to be a very very picky eater and from like the moment she got diagnosed like it happened in the hospital she just switched and she started becoming very interested in food, like she, she started eating much better and she ate everything. And now I love cooking for her because she, she loves everything I make for her. And she kind of, you know, she's a kind of person who likes like a steak and potatoes. She likes steak and sauce. She likes a salad. She likes a, you know, mozzarella salad on the side. So she's, she's really good with her food now, which obviously make it so much easier for me when I'm cooking. You know, we also we have this rule um to never eat carbs alone. I don't know if you do the same with Erin. Like we have this, like if you're eating carbs, you have to have you always need to have protein with it. Like it should be a balanced plate, always. Like every meal should be balanced. I have Can that with that?
0: I have that yeah. with, with vegetables. My thing is, you know, you gotta have vegetables um to, to, to balance it. So yeah, Mm -hmm. we're usually getting a carb on a plate is no issue and always having a protein, either a plant-based or some other kind of protein. But I always try to remember to put vegetables there, even when, when he was really small, because Aaron was diagnosed at 20 months old and it can be challenging. You're so worried about low blood sugars. You want to make sure that you have enough carbs that your kid's going to eat that he's going to like. And I would still always cut some vegetables, whether it was carrot sticks or cucumber sticks or something when he was like even two or three, and he didn't always eat those, but in time he started to. So yeah, I have a similar role, but it's like, there's, there should always be vegetables with it. Yeah. So yeah, always, yeah, yeah. always balanced. And then, you know, there's, um, yeah. Harvard has it. Canada also has a really good one. The, the balanced meal plate. Where when you look at it, like half of it is vegetables and then there's protein mm-hmm. and there's carbs and it's with a glass of water. I think I'll also put a link to that in the show notes so that people can.
1: Yeah, my, the one I that. always go by, I do the NHS one for the UK because obviously I did my nutrition studies in the UK. So we use the NHS, the E-12 well guide. And I absolutely love it. I love the way it looks because it ha- it is a proper place and you see exactly how much of everything you're meant to eat. And it sort of tells you about the portions. And it it even has like a, a food label on it, on the printout, which I love because it it helps people, you know, it educates people as it, when you're looking at it. So right. yeah, I love that.
0: We'll put the link for that one as well. I think they might be very similar. Sometimes there's there's are, some yeah. small differences. Sometimes Excellent. They'll be the
1: same. The same, yeah.
0: So we will put the healthy plate um, links in the show notes and you can even compare. I'm sure they might be similar. And most, all of them now, if not most all have more um, plants on the plate, fruits and vegetables than before. And that, that is science, that is science backing that up. That's not, um, you know, just Maria and I saying, Oh, we like vegetables. You should eat them too. There Mm -hmm. is so much scientific research now that indicates that a plant-based diet is so much healthier for you for, for everything, not just diabetes, no matter what it is, you need to get good quality fruits and vegetables. And if you're not used to eating that way, what I suggest is, you know, maybe just start eating that way once a week, maybe do like a meatless Monday or, or some other thing that you decide with your family, that what works for you. Um, that will make it fun and, and interesting it doesn't have to be all like boring like it's not don't make it like you're restricting yourself make it experimental
1: yeah and look for recipes like like search for recipes that interest you and and then try those because i think that's a good starting point like very often we get so stuck and we keep cooking the same things over and over again and if we then remove meat for example and we're gonna start cooking with with beans and we don't know how to do that it's 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 going to be difficult and tricky so yeah maybe look for a recipe and that
0: should you know yeah that's true we do have a few on the die point website um that you can start experimenting with a lot of them are, are plant based um i think mm-hmm. most of them are plant based but have fun with it send us your pictures as well um if if you're into taking pictures of your food on social media tag us we'd love to see it
1: yeah.
0: um, so i we can talk about food, I think like all day, but for the sake of time, I think we're going to have to slowly start wrapping it up. But before we go, I have a few more questions. One of them, um, what are, so since you've been living healthily, been a nutritionist supporting people with diabetes or other chronic conditions or people who want to make lifestyle changes, what are the most important lessons that you've learned?
1: Oh my gosh there's so much but I'm going to tell you the the one thing that I find so important that I've learned from from both from my own personal experience but also with clients that it is so important to have a community you know to have a support group because we all go through ups and downs when you have kids with diabetes or you have diabetes yourself or you have any chronic disease you need someone to sometimes just you know pick up the phone or you want to rant or you want to you want to you know, celebrate uh, an achievement or something like that. To just have that community and that that support group there for you, I think that is the one thing that I. Because it took me a few years, you know, in the beginning we didn't. I wasn't part of the group. You know, the group where we met. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't part of that group, and I didn't have any support. And I was looking. I was looking online, and I couldn't find anything here in in Dubai. And it was just me and you know me, my daughter, and my husband. And then he found the support group through someone when he went to cheeky monkeys with the kids one day and that's how you know how she added me to the group and and i i joined and everything and it was life-changing wow. you know i really felt like like it was life-changing for me and i know for other people you know i've obviously when i meet people with diabetes or anything like that i always tell them to to join the group as well so that's one of the lessons that i've learned that i find like the most significant one really that the that, support is
0: important. that is really good advice i would say the same um when Aaron was diagnosed, I did not know anybody that had this or had experienced this. It even took us three years to find a doctor that was qualified here. Um, I'm happy to say that's changed and there's several great doctors out there now. Um, but there was nothing. And like you, I went online, I was looking, I found a few groups in the U S but they were very American and nobody, of course, diabetes is the same everywhere. Like, it's challenging no matter where you live, but the local nuances and things like that, nobody could really relate to my local challenges. So I think it's important to find your tribe or your people, as they say. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, at at DiaPoint, Point, we do have a Facebook group and we're relaunching our community as well. So look out for that um, and you can come get support. And, and really, it's scientifically proven that if you want to make lifestyle changes or any, set any kind of goals, there is science backing it that we do it so much more efficiently and better when we do it in a group. That support is critical because it, diabetes, I think, you know, I don't have diabetes, so maybe I'm speaking out of place, but from listening to people who have it, I think sometimes it can be very isolating. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you may not even, even realize that it might feel like it's really, you know, going, going well, and you're probably doing everything right. But then you have that moment where you meet somebody that has it. And I think that's kind of how I can say as a mom, like when I met Maria and these other women in the group, I didn't know that that was really missing, but you finally felt heard and understood. And and like Maria said, you can go for support. You can celebrate the, the small or the big wins. And when you're having a really rough day, they just get it. The, one of the last times I met Maria and we had like an awful blood sugar night and she's like, oh, how are you? And I'm like, oh my gosh, no sleep, like all night. I didn't even have to mm-hmm. say anything else. She just immediately understood what that meant. And that is, is it's, it's a very, very deep connection. So having a group, I think is great. Um, I, I would also say one thing that we had talked about before when it comes to coaching and support and groups and things like that. And I've seen a few clients who now there's a lot of apps that are out there and available for coaching, for goal setting, for fitness, for diabetes and all of the things And I think if you found something that works for you, that's great. Like, for example, I personally, I use an app for exercising right now. Since COVID, I've not really been going to a gym regularly. I've been able to do fairly okay at home. But I will say that some days I don't push myself as hard or I don't exercise as great as I would if I was actually there doing it with an instructor and face-to-face and things like that. So just kind of related to finding your group and finding the right support also look for you know that face-to-face support sometimes digital support is convenient but it's very easy to cheat with that it's not going to hold you accountable
1: yeah yeah that is a really good point that is so true you know with apps as well it is you know I have worked with apps I, I love good apps I really do they are very very helpful but you do really miss that component of seeing someone face to face like you say and especially for the accountability you know it's so easy to go to an app when you are motivated but what do you do when you're not motivated because that's that's exactly what it is like very often with exercise or with eating healthy people don't feel like doing it and when you do feel like doing it yeah you go on the app but what do you do when you when you're not feeling like it? Then that's when you need, a, like, a coach, for example, or that support group, someone to just like make you, you know, push you in the right direction a little bit and, and help you along.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. So, on that note, if you need any help along the way, please reach out. And as I mentioned, Maria is coaching clients at DirePoint and she's amazing and delivers really great results. I'm coaching as well, and we have more coaches joining us. So if you'd like set up a 20 minute discovery call on our website, and we'll, we'll speak to you. If you want to learn more about coaching, and we'd love to hear more about you all as well. Um, But please don't hesitate to reach out ever. If you have any questions or information, need information um, about nutrition or coaching, we'd be happy to share it. I want to thank Maria so much for joining me today to Have a discussion about coaching, what it is, what it's not, how it can help, and talking a little bit about nutrition. I think we'll have to do another one of these in the near future because I feel like we've barely scratched the surface when it comes to coaching and nutrition and and all the things. So I hope that you'll come back and do this again.
1: Yes, I certainly will. It was really, really nice. It was great. Very exciting. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for joining. And thank you everyone for listening to the podcast. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode. I just want to thank Maria for joining me for this very important discussion about coaching, nutrition, and some of the science behind it. And also, again, that reminder that everything that we discuss and talk about, this is not medical advice. If you have any questions how it relates to your care plan or your health, please ask your doctor. I also want to highlight the definition of coaching. Professional coaching focuses on setting goals, creating outcomes, and managing personal change. As coaches, we support you as you go through transformation and change and and meet goals that you've set for yourself. Coaching is not therapy. Therapy deals with healing pain, Sometimes it can deal with dysfunction and conflict with individuals and relationships. There are relationship coaches, but if you have some real challenging situations that you're facing, you may want to see a therapist or psychologist instead. And a good coach should know the difference and they will know when to refer you to somebody that can support you more deeply than just coaching. Consulting is when an individual or an organization needs somebody for their expertise. That could be a business consultant. Uh, Doctors themselves are also consultants. They will come in and diagnose a problem and prescribe and sometimes implement a solution or suggest a solution. Doctors and consultants can be coaches or use methods of coaching for their practices. Mentoring is when an expert provides wisdom and guidance based on their own experience. For example, when you're doing an internship, um, you hope to be mentored by a, a leader in the company or by a program. That's where they're sharing the wisdom and guidance with you. Mentoring is not really coaching, although oftentimes coaches will act as mentors and they might share some of their insight if they think it will help you get closer to your goal. And training, Or trainers and training programs, they're all based on objectives that are set out by the trainer or the instructor. Even personal training. For example, let's say that you want to lose weight or get fit, and your trainer will help you set a goal around that. You may have a goal in mind, but they will reconfirm it, and then they will follow you very rigidly based on those goals and objectives. And sometimes trainers are certified as coaches. Um, But just as Marie and I discussed throughout this conversation, make sure that the person that is supporting you on your health and wellness journey is deeply experienced and certified in the areas that you need. Have a wonderful day and thank you again for listening. If you like what you heard, please feel free to share the podcast or leave us a comment. Thank you.